Today we're looking in the 142nd division of the psalm. Psalm 142, and we're going to read verse number 4. They were reading from the New Living Translation, and it's David who writes, it's David who says this. David says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Father, I just pray today that no one in this room today will leave this room today saying what David said. God, I pray that you'll help us today, Lord, to share the thought that you care for us today. I pray for your care today, Lord, to be available for your people today. Lord, anoint us with the anointing of your Spirit. Give us ears to hear the Word of God today. God, may we put in practice what we receive. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Hey, you may be reseated this morning. Well, today we began a brand new series. Now, this series is a question that we are going to ask and then endeavor to answer. And the question is, who cares? Who cares? Have you ever asked that question? Uh, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that at some point in time in all of our lives, every single one of us here today have either asked this question or have at least felt this way. David felt this way. He felt isolated, and he felt rejected, and he felt all alone. And out of his despair, he cries out. In anguish, he cries out. And he says, I've looked around. David says, I've looked around. He says, I've looked to my right. He says, I've looked to my left. And he says, no one seems to give a flying flip about what's happening to me. Now, that's the Mike Benson paraphrase version, all right? David says, I can find no sympathy. I can find no sentiment. I can find no support. I don't know, but perhaps you are feeling like David was feeling. I don't know, but perhaps you are walking through the darkest hour of your life. Oh, there once was a time when you felt like you were on top of the world. But the bottom has dropped out from under your world, and now you feel like the world is on top of you. And perhaps you're here today, and you are wondering who cares does anyone care about me or my situation well the first part of the answer to this question we're going to address today who cares you ask the answer he does Jesus cares I want to share first of all that he cared enough to cry he cared enough to cry. The shortest verse in all of the Bible is, is found in John chapter 11 and verse number 35. And this verse contains only two words. Two words in this one verse. And these two words are Jesus wept. I always used that when I was trying to uh, memorize a scripture in Bible when I was a kid. Amen. I could get that one. Jesus wept. Now we know that in this passage Lazarus who was a good friend to Jesus had just died. 
We also understand that Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, who were also very, very close friends to the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus got the news that his dear friend Lazarus was dead, and when he saw the pain that was on the faces of his two dear sisters, the Bible said, Jesus wept. I submit to you this morning, he cared enough to cry. This is what I know, and that is tears tell a story. Tears tell a story. Tears speak volumes. Tears portray an investment in the people and in their problem. Tears tell you something about a person's heart. Jesus wept. He cared enough to cry. I want to suggest four things this morning, four things that the tears of Jesus revealed about him. First of all, I would suggest that his tears revealed his humanity. See, Jesus wasn't wasn't half man and half God. He wasn't some kind of a freak. He he wasn't half man and half God. He he, he was 100% man and 100% God. He was both son of man and son of God. We need to understand that as man, Jesus felt every emotion that humans feel. Jesus knew what it was to laugh, and he knew what it was like to cry. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15, paraphrasing, says that, that he, Jesus, Jesus can sympathize with us in every single area of life because he has experienced everything we experience. I would say that Jesus is like the man in the farmer's insurance commercial who says, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Lazarus was a dear friend of Jesus. Mary and Martha were like sisters to Jesus. Jesus loved these people and their pain became his pain. Their heartache became his heartache. Who cares, you ask this morning? He does. He does. Jesus wept. I am convinced today that if Jesus cared enough to cry over Mary, if Jesus cared enough to cry about over Martha and Lazarus and their situation, no doubt, oh, I have no doubt in my mind and in my heart today that he sheds tears over you and he sheds tears over me in our times of despair as well. But not only did the tears of Jesus reveal his humanity, but, but his tears reveal his humility. See, Jesus didn't try and play the macho man. He didn't buy into the big boys don't cry philosophy. Jesus wept. Publicly he wept. In front of his peers he wept. In front of his followers he wept. Oh, humbly, without an agenda, with no ulterior motives, Jesus Who cares? Who cares? He does. He cared enough to cry. His tears revealed his humanity. His tears revealed his humility. And and I believe that his tears revealed his honesty. 
Jesus didn't try to disguise his feelings. He, he wasn't concerned about how his tears would make him appear. Oh, he wasn't concerned with his reputation. Oh, oh will these tears make me appear weak? Oh, will these tears taint my image? No, no, no. No, Jesus allowed himself to weep. Jesus allowed himself to cry. Jesus allowed his tears to flow. He was open and he was honest about his feelings. He cared enough to cry. Not only did his tears reveal his humility, humanity and honesty, I would say that his tears revealed his heart. Jesus had a heart for people. He cared about their pain. He cared about their problems. He cared about their personal situations and circumstances. All you have to do is read the Gospels and you will see that, that when people were hungry, Jesus fed them. Ah, when they were sick, Jesus made sure they became well. Oh, when they were lacking in knowledge, Jesus taught them. And in the case of Lazarus and others, when they died, even when they died, he brought them back to What we need to understand this morning is this. Hebrews 13 and 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same. He's what? Hebrews 13 and 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I would say this morning if this is true, and it is, and this means that if Jesus cared for Mary, and if Jesus cared for Martha, and if Jesus cared for Lazarus, oh, that means that he also cares for if Jesus wept over Lazarus, if he wept over his sisters, I, I would have to believe that he weeps, he weeps over us as well. And hear me this morning, his tears for us reveal his heart for us. Jesus has us in his heart. He has a heart for us. We're asking the question and endeavoring to answer it this morning, who cares? Who cares? Does anybody care? The first part of the answer we are offering in today's message, and the first part of the answer is this, he does. You ask who cares, I will tell you who cares today, he does. Jesus cares. He cared enough to cry. But oh, oh, let me tell you, he cared far more than that. Not only did he care enough to cry, but I would tell you this morning, number two, he cared enough to die. Cared enough to die. Romans 5 and 8 says, Christ loved us so much that he died for us when we were still sinners. When we were wretched. When we were unlovely, when we were unlovable, when we were mean, when we were vile, when we were vulgar, when we were lost. Jesus loved us so much. He died for us even when we were still sinners and still in our sin. The Bible teaches us that God created man perfect and placed him in a garden of paradise. The Bible tells us that God Yes, God himself would literally come down from heaven and literally go on a walk with Adam and Eve every single evening. But the Bible also teaches that the devil 
tempted man. He tempted Adam. He tempted Eve. The Bible tells us that man failed God by giving in to the temptation of the, uh, of the devil. And the Bible says that brought sin into the world and it brought sin into the life of man. The Bible also tells us that, that sin separates man from a holy God. And so man's sin separated him from God. The Bible also teaches that sin has a penalty attached to it. And the penalty, the Bible says, is death. Romans 6 and 23 tells us the wages or the penalty for sin is death. Some more bad news can be found in Romans 3 and 23, and it says all have sinned. Romans 6 and 23 says the wages of the penalty for sin is death. Romans 3 and 23 says all have sinned. You're sitting here this morning among a bunch of sinners. Some of you are self-righteous sinners. You're still a sinner, but for the blood of Jesus Christ but for the grace of God. All have sinned, Romans 3 and 23, and fall short of God's glorious standard. So the bad news is the penalty for sin is death. The bad news is every single one of us has sinned, but I have some good news for us today. And the good news is God has made a way to overcome the bad news. The bad news is that sin separates man from God. The good news is God's Son can restore this relationship. Romans 5 and 19 says, Through one man, speaking about Adam in the Garden of Eden, through one man, Adam, all have become sinners. So that through one man, speaking of Jesus, all can be made righteous. Through one man, Adam, man was separated from God. But through one man, Jesus Christ, man and his, rep- and his time with God can be restored. Oh, yes, sin has a, has a penalty attached to it. But Jesus on the cross, say on the cross. But Jesus on the cross paid the penalty. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, God placed on Jesus the sins of us. See, what happened was that God placed his perfect son, Jesus, on the cross. And then he placed all of our sin, your sin, my sin, every sin that ever had or ever would be ever committed in the history of man. Somehow, God placed his son on the cross and God gathered up every single sin. And the Bible says then God took those sins and he placed all of their sins, your sin, my sin, every sin. He placed them on his own perfect son, Jesus, on the cross. And the Bible says God poured out his wrath on his very own son, punishing him for our sins. Wow. Jesus became our substitute. He took the penalty for our sin, which was death. Who cares? 
Who cares? Do you really have the audacity to ask the question? Who cares? He does. He does. He, he, He cared enough to die. Two things here. First of all, his death provided redemption. See, without Jesus, we have no hope. Nobody's helping me this morning. I told you to help me. My wife's not here. Without Jesus, we have no hope. His death, two things. His death provided redemption. Without Jesus, we have no hope. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus said, no one gets to the Father unless they come through me. Did Jesus say, I'm a way? There's a lot of ways to get to God, a lot of ways to get to heaven. I'm one of those ways. Just take your pick whatever way you want. It doesn't matter. Pick your religion. Pick your way. I'm a way. One of the ways, many ways to get to God. Is that what Jesus said? No, Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. The, not a, the. Say the. The. Well, pastor, that's pretty narrow-minded. We'll take it up with God. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And no one can get to the Father unless they come through me. So according to this scripture, and these are the very words of Jesus, these are in red in your Bible. According to this scripture, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to salvation. He is the only way to heaven. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Without Jesus, we have no hope. And without Jesus, we would go to hell. Yeah, I said hell. Without Jesus, we would go to hell. We still talk about hell in this church. We don't talk about it every Sunday. It's not one of my favorite subjects. But if you've been here very long, unless you dismiss every other Sunday, we talk about it. We talk about sin. We talk, we talk about these things. Without Jesus, we go to hell. I don't like to say that. I hate to say that. I have a hard time grasping that. I have a hard time getting my own mind around it. But according to this Bible, and that's what I believe, and it is infallible. The Bible teaches there are only two places where people will spend eternity after they die, in heaven with Jesus or in hell with the devil. The Bible says that hell is a place of eternal torment that was originally created by God for Satan and his demons. But the Bible also says that when man sinned, he too was then destined for this horrendous place. But oh, oh, hear me this morning. God has made a way to escape this destiny. Jesus said, I am the way. Oh, Pastor, I just can't get my mind around the fact that a loving God would send anybody to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Nobody has to go to hell. Jesus said, I'm the way to heaven. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus said, you can go to heaven and escape hell. I'm the way. Come through me. He cared enough to die. His death provided redemption. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we're going to go to hell. But oh, 
not only did his death provide redemption, let me share this, his death provided a relationship. See, this is where all the other religions of the world miss it. They have their God, but they have no relationship with their God. Our God is a personal God. He's a God that has a heart for his people. He's a God that wants to have a personal relationship. I already talked about when God created man in the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, he didn't just place man in the garden and leave him there. No, every single day in the cool of the evening, God would come down and God would walk with man. God wanted a relationship with Sin severed that relationship. The Savior reunites the relationship. Oh, his death not only brings us redemption, oh, thank God, but also his death provides a relationship. Through the redemptive power of Jesus and his cross, through our faith in his redemptive process called grace, man's relationship with God has been restored. His death provided a relationship. And because God wants a relationship with man, two things I want to say here this morning. That is, first of all, he wants to share our pain. Because he wants a relationship with us, he wants to share our pain. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says to cast all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. My wife will tell me things she won't tell our daughter. She won't tell our son. She won't tell her best friend. My wife will tell me things. I know how my wife really feels. She has a big old smile on her face. They always say, how are you doing? I'm doing great when I know she's not. I know there's physical issues that are going on. I know she's sometimes just here literally by grit. People say, well, your wife never complains. No, she does to me. And I'm glad she does. If I'm her husband, I'm who she's supposed to complain to, right? She, she, we have a relationship. Outside of her relationship with God, she has no closer relationship than the relationship she has with me. And so, so she knows she can be vulnerable with me. She doesn't have to wear a mask. She doesn't have to put on a fake smile. She can tell me, well, honey, I'm really hurting today. Really in pain today, baby. God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to take the mask off and he wants us to tell him how we really feel because he wants to share. He wants to share our burdens. He wants to share our hurts, our heartaches. He, 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 he wants to share our, our pain. Oh, no one has to walk through the dark, lonely, difficult times of life alone. Jesus, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the very shadow of death. Oh, he says, you are with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff comforts me. He cares. Because he cares, he wants to share our pain. He doesn't just want to share our pain. He wants to share our passions. One of my 
Life verses is John 10 and 10. I love it in the Amplified Version. Jesus said, Jesus said, I have come that you might have, but not just that you might have. Jesus said, I have come that you might have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. I'm going to be happy whether you like it or not. I'm going to be joyous whether you like it or not. I love you. I care for you. You can wallow if you want. I'm not going to wallow. Jesus came that I might have and enjoy life, have it in abundance, have it to the full, have it until it overflows. I want to love life. I want to live it to the full. Oh, hear me this morning. Jesus doesn't just want to share our pain and our problems. He wants to share our passions. Listen, listen this morning. Write this down this morning. Jesus is interested in what we are interested in. Did you hear me? Jesus is interested in what we are interested in. Sorry for the microphone. We've got problems this morning, but we'll make it. It's no secret that I love to play golf. It's my only hobby. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I do a lot of other things. My only hobby, and I love to play golf. But not only do I love the game of golf, I love the competition with my buddies, especially when I win. I'm real generous with my friends. I'll tell them, I hope you shoot a 78 today. And I shoot a 77. Amen. And neither one of us do very often, I'll tell you that. I don't just love the game of golf. I love the competition, the camaraderie. I love the time that I spend with my buddies out there on the golf course. And I also, I also just love being outdoors. I like to get out of the office. I love to go outdoors. I love being outdoors and love to play golf, and especially if it's a nice golf course with a lot of trees and water and elevation. See, I, I didn't have any of that for 25 years in West Texas. And so I still appreciate it here. Now, you may not understand this, and you probably won't, and that's okay. But I have a really good time with Jesus when I'm playing golf. Yeah, I have a really good time. With Jesus when I'm playing golf. For whatever reason, I'm able to get really close to Jesus as I enjoy the game. Yes, as I enjoy my buddies. Yes, as I enjoy the competition. Yes, as I enjoy all the incredible creation that God created called this world. I can tell you I've had real deep spiritual encounters with Jesus on the golf course. Tell you about a time that I got out of my golf cart to get to walk up to the green to putt, and the Spirit of God came on me, and the glory of God came down, and I just dropped my uh, the putter, and I just raised my hands and began to weep and just began to spend time in the presence of God. The man that I was with, he didn't even he went right back to the cart. We didn't even putt. About five minutes later, I went back in the car and I said, I said "I'm sorry about that." He said, "No, no, man. I don't know what was going on, but he said, man, there was just some presence there." See, see, Jesus loves it when I share my passion with him. He don't want to just share my pain. I'm willing to share my wife's pain, but I don't want to just share her pain. I want to share her passion. Some of you, you only share your pain with Jesus. 
He cares for you and he cares about your pain, but he not only wants to care, and not only does he want to share your pain, he also wants to share your passion. He's interested in what you're interested in. I never thought much about, never cared much about cheerleading. Let me clarify that. Not counting the crush I had on a couple of cheerleaders when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. All right, don't go there. <laughs> I was only interested in the game, man. That is until, until my daughter became a cheerleader. And then all of a sudden, I was looking at a certain cheerleader more than I was looking at the game. And I was going to the game not to watch the game, but to watch a certain cheerleader. You see, because my daughter loved being a cheerleader, oh, cheerleading was a big part of her life. And because she was interested, suddenly... I was interested. Who cares? Who cares? He cares. And because he cares, he wants to share our passions. Because he cares about what we Takeaway for the message today is this no one can care for us like Jesus. No one can care for us. I'll date myself, but this is a more senior crowd this morning, although there are a lot of younger people in here. But when I was a kid, I, or when I was a young adult, actually, maybe late teens and early young adulthood, it was an old song and I loved it. It was so beautiful. It said, No one ever cared for me. Like Jesus. Remember that one? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. I just forgot the words to it just then. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take my sin and darkness from me. No one ever cared for me like him. I'm telling you this morning, no one, not your wife, not your mama, not your daddy, not your grandma, not your grandpa, nobody, nobody cares for you like he does. He cares. He cares. Who cares? He cares. He cared enough to cry, and he cared enough to die. Lord, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning that has been shared. God, there's no doubt in my mind this morning there are those today, Lord, they have maybe even, maybe even this week they have thought, does anybody care? Does anybody? I'm going through the darkest valley of my life and no one even cares. But someone does care. That someone is Jesus.